I am super pumped about this story today. Yay. I always love the stories. Like, I wouldn't pick it to do an episode on if I didn't. Love right. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. This one. Oh, man. Oh, so, oh, man. first, do we have anything that we need to talk about? I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm just happy. Happy October. I love October. Yeah. I if, can't believe how quickly this month is flying by. I know. If you feel like you haven't gotten enough content... Hop over to Patreon and join us. Yeah. We've had so many new people join, which is fantastic. Um, yeah. There are two levels, and there's different perks at each level, and we would just love to have you over there. Yes. But, yeah, so if there's no other... If you want to find the link to that, you can go to the link in the show notes on yep. this episode, wherever you're listening. Or on Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. It's all there. Okay. So I love doing this podcast for a lot of reasons. Like, uh-huh. obviously, I find the topics interesting. Yes. And I get more excuses to hang out with you, <laughs> which is always a good thing. Yes. The story I'm about to tell you today, I'm super into creepy things and witchy things, and I had never heard of it, which is like, I never would have heard of this if it wasn't for this podcast, Ooh. because then other people heard it and sent it, which yeah. makes me happy. This topic was sent to us by the Delectable Disney Divas oh, on Instagram. That. Yeah. So here we go. It says, here's the message. Hey, ladies, we are big fans of yours from Wisconsin with little heart. Wisconsin followers. We wanted to tell you about a city about 25 miles from us called Whitewater, which has been nicknamed Second Salem because of its association with witchcraft, the paranormal, and the occult. Oh. And it is supposedly one of the most haunted places in the state. Oh. So then the message goes on to give us details about a lot of the stories tied to Whitewater. But I'm not going to read you that part because it'll spoil the episode. <laughs> Signed, Beth and Katie. Cute. P.S. Keep up the great work. Your podcast makes our commutes so much better. Aw. Thanks so much. Yeah, you guys are great. Thank you so much. Yes. Okay, so Beth and Katie's message listed several topics of things to cover within Whitewater. And initially I was like, oh, so these will each be an episode. Yeah. And then as I started researching it, I was like, no, no, no. We're going to combine a lot of these. And we're going to do this over the span of two episodes. Perfect. So you can hear the first one today, and then we're going to post the second one tomorrow, unless you're on the Patreon, in which case you can go ahead and hear the second one today, too. It's posted. You can go listen to it right after you listen to this. Hop on. All right. Did we say this is the Witch's Magic Murder and Mystery Podcast? You know, I don't know. I'm Megan. I'm Kara. We're three minutes in. That's not terrible. No. It's just that officially already started. <laughs> We've... We've been recording a lot, okay? Okay. All right. We are going to kick this off by talking about the world's first spiritualist school. Founded right there in Whitewater, Wisconsin in 1901. Morris Pratt was born in New York in 1820, but he moved to Wisconsin in 1840 along with his three brothers. Now, spiritualism began in upstate New York in the 1840s. It began... In the home of the Fox sisters in Hydesville, New York, which if you're on the Patreon, you've heard that episode. You know the whole story of the Fox sisters and the birth of spiritualism. Yes. And spiritualism became extremely popular in the mid-19th century, particularly during and after the Civil War. So here's a real quick definition of spiritualism according to Wikipedia. 
Spiritualism is the belief, it's a religious movement based on the belief that the spirits of the dead exist and have both the ability and the inclination to communicate with the living. The afterlife or the spirit world is seen by spiritualists not like a static place, but as one in which spirits continue to evolve. It was believed that communicating with these spirits would help the living understand God's purpose because these spirits lived closer to God. Spiritualists also believe strongly in science and argued that the spiritual world was subject to the same natural laws as the physical world. They believed in science and God. What? 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 How is that possible? How do they function? Morris Pratt became really active in spiritualist circles in Wisconsin. He was known for arguing with ministers who criticized spiritualism. Oh, and he was physically thrown out of church more than once. What? He always said that if he ever came into a lot of money, he would use it to help spread the word and teach others about spiritualism. Then he met a local medium named Mary Hayes Chenoweth. Okay. It's not exactly spelled like Kristen Chenoweth, but we'll go with it. It's close enough. So I want to take a quick detour to tell you about this woman because she's really interesting too. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. What did I just say her name was? Mary Mary Hayes Shinoweth. Okay. She was a 27-year-old school teacher in Wisconsin in 1853. So this would be before he met her, right? Mm -hmm. So when she was 27, she suddenly one day in her kitchen, she dropped to her knees and started to pray in a language that neither she or her father, who was nearby and overheard everything, could understand. In that moment, an unseen voice told her that she would spend the rest of her life healing others. After that, she discovered that she could peer into people's bodies, which, no, thank you. I don't need you to do that. To see what sickness or disease they have, and then she could remove whatever was ailing them. Oh. She would do that by basically taking on their sickness as much, which sometimes caused her to break out into blisters and rashes oh gosh mary i feel like this is important to point out believed that most supernatural phenomena was a hoax and that this gift had been given to her by god to help those in need she traveled all over the state helping the sick mrs hayes was not a medium her son j.o hayes wrote in 1938 in her young womanhood she became very much interested in the question of man's immortality and prayed for two years very earnestly and devotedly that she might know the truth regarding it. As a result of this effort, she passed through an experience somewhat similar to that of Jesus in the wilderness as recorded in the Bible. Oh. It's like a very ambitious statement. Whoa. My mom mom had an experience just like Jesus. Jesus. My mom went on a walkabout. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She spoke in tongues unknown to her. She restored those possessed to a normal condition and did untold miraculous things that could not be explained by the use of any ordinary human methods. From that time until her death, a large part of her time was given to healing the sick. And she did this without charge or financial compensation, which I think is important. Yes. I'm not saying that she didn't gain anything. There's probably a certain amount of like power and importance that she gained. Yeah, but she didn't benefit financially, which gives her an, an air of legitimacy, yeah. I feel like. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so back to Morris Pratt. We're somewhere in the 1880s, and Morris Pratt met Mary Hayes Chenoweth at a seance. As a medium, Mary mostly focused on the psychic healing that I mentioned earlier. Right. But she was also a bit of a financial advisor, and she asked Pratt, 
Do you intend, if made wealthy, to carry out your promise of teaching people about spiritualism? And when he said that he did, she told him that he should purchase land in northern Wisconsin. And that land turned out to have some of the richest iron ore in the state, making Pratt incredibly wealthy practically overnight. Oh, my gosh. I know. Just as he'd said he would do, Morris Pratt began building a temple of science in Whitewater, Wisconsin. How cool! I know. The temple was completed in 1888, and spiritualists came from all over the United States and Canada to attend its opening ceremony. Pratt's building was used for spiritualist activities throughout the 1890s, but didn't officially become the Morris Pratt Institute with a formal slate of classes until after Pratt's death in 1902. Before his death, he reportedly gave the deed to the estate to seven unknown spiritualists, a board of trustees whose names have never been accounted for in any written documentation. Oh, wow. I know. I like the whole secretive Yes. Business. Yeah. It just makes it all a little bit more like, ooh, what's happening? The Morris Pratt Institute stated that it was dedicated to rejecting Nothing because it is new and unpopular, and accepting nothing because it is old and popular. It seeks only truth. So otherwise, they're like, yeah, we're open to anything. We're not just going to be like, well, this is the way we've always done it, so this is the way we're always going to do it. Jump on this newfangled fad just because it's a fad. Right. We are going to stay true to our focus and make sure that we're always guided by what we believe to be true. Oh, cool. The school was open to men and women, Mm -hmm. and the general education courses could be taken by anyone in the community. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And those GE courses were just like the ones you'd find in any school, like yeah. grammar, history, math, whatever. Yeah. There was also a second set of courses that were only for practicing spiritualists. Ooh. Those courses were things like psychic research, the science of seances, Ooh. mediumship, all that sort of thing. Oh, cool. So I think the whole thing where it offered GE classes to anyone in the community was pretty great. And it may have been like, a strategic thing to help establish goodwill if they thought that anyone might be a little unsettled by the idea of right. a spiritualist school right there in their own little community. It seemed like the non-spiritualists who lived around there didn't really know what to think of it, and some called it the Spooks Temple. <laughs> Still, the curious public showed up every Sunday evening when the doors opened for seances or for educational lectures like the 1924 program Mediumship Explained. Oh. While the building was open to the public, the third floor was off limits to everyone but members of the spiritualist church. Oh. That space was a hallowed chamber where everything was painted white, a space not to be profaned by a non-believer, an editor of a local newspaper once described. He, too, had been denied access to that room. <laughs> I, know, I wonder what it would be like if everything's white yes. and quiet. It feels, it feels oh, scary. <laughs> it feels a little yeah. scary. The Institute had living quarters and facilities for up to 50 students, seeing as many as 45 at a time at its height from 1910 to 1915. I know. Then during the Depression, um, they had to close for a few years due to financial issues, and they ended up moving out of Whitewater and into the Milwaukee area, where it is still in operation today. (gasps) Is it really? I knew you'd be excited by that part. I'm going to go. The original building in Whitewater was torn down in 1961. So... You can go to their website right now, Morris Pratt with two T's.org to check out the courses. But basically, if you want to become a certified medium, a commissioned healer, a spiritualism teacher, you can do that there. Ooh. And the Morris Pratt Institute is the credentialing organization for the National Spiritualist Association of Churches, oh, NSAC. Gosh. I know. But 
even if um, you aren't necessarily looking for any sort of credentials for like a specific career path, you can also just take correspondence courses there to learn about spiritualism. You don't have to be a member of the spiritualist church um, to take those courses. And there are students enrolled from all over the world. There's also an extensive research library that's open to the public in Milwaukee. And you can request a book catalog for the mail order bookstore. And you better believe that we're going to do that. Yeah, we need it now. Yeah, just be caught, just to see what they've got. We need it. The Morris Pratt Institute remains one of the few places in the world dedicated to the study of telepathy, clairvoyance, mediumship, and psychic surgery. I love it. Graduates go on to serve in one of the more than 90 churches and camps around the country that belong to the National Spiritualist Association. Hmm. As I'm sure you can all guess, I love this whole thing. Yes. <laughs> um, not just because of the spiritualism part being interesting, but like, I just love how he had this dream right. of a thing he wanted to do, and just, then he did it. Just did it. And he did it so well that here we are 120 years later, still talking still about it. Still talking about it, and people are still attending. Right. And it's still in operation. Yeah. I love that. I'm sure that somewhere in his heart, he'd hoped that the institute he created would educate people for years from all over the world. But the fact that he actually did it. Yeah. I just hope he's like haunting the place so he gets to stay. (laughs) Yes. Kara. Yes, Megan. I have been seeing all over TikTok these hair straighteners. Ever since I got my hair cut, I still feel like I'm learning how to do my hair all over mm-hmm. again. Let me tell you, I have found one that works really well. It's um, from Tymo, uh-huh. T-Y-M-O. Yes. And it is the company for getting the best type of straightener for everything your hair could possibly need. It's all over social media right now with products from $59.99 to top of the line straighteners. Each of their products are built to last and have so many options for whatever your hair needs are. So Karen and I received a couple of the products. Oh my we gosh. got a so straightener and a blow dryer. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the straightener because that's the one that I have used. It has a cordless design, which makes it so right. handy. You traveled with it. Yes. So it's great for getting a good hair reset on the go because it's so portable and convenient. It's called the Porta. It has this 3D comb design, which is enhanced by cutting edge MCH anionic technology. So you brush it through your hair, it straightens as it goes, and it pushes against this ceramic plate that gives a frictionless glide that promises to curb frizz by 50%. And I've totally seen that because my hair gets frizzy and this just really smooths it out. I really loved it. Okay. So I got the air hype. I'm obsessed with it. I have just like naturally curly wavy hair. So it was a huge game changer for me. It dries your hair in half the normal time and it keeps your hair safe and shiny, which I noticed immediately. Mm-hmm. I didn't even need to straighten it afterwards. And usually I do because usually I have all those wild like curls left over. Yeah. The wind power on this thing is intense. It's wild. Like I turned it up. I was like, let's play with these buttons. Okay. So it has three magnetic styling attachments. They're all amazing. You know how some blow dryers you get are like if you go to a hotel and there's a diffuser and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like tearing my hair to pieces and it's right. going to be so tangled. Not with this one. Nice. And it's magnetic. So it's great. So right now, you guys, our listeners can get 30% off their first order at timobeauty.com. T-Y-M-O beauty.com using the code WMM30. So that's just two M's. You guys know our codes usually have three. So just keep that in mind. So with so many great products to choose from, now's the time to upgrade your styling and curling kit. So go to tymobeauty.com and use the code WMM30 for 30% off your first purchase. Goodbye. Goodbye. Um, Okay. So even though the Morris Pratt Institute is no longer located in Whitewater, Wisconsin, I do wonder exactly what it is that made it the place where Mary Hayes Chenoweth instructed Morris Pratt to build. Right. Right. If you started reading about it, you'll learn that Whitewater was built on, guess what? Haunted ground. 
Sort of. Okay. A Native American burial ground. Oh. Right. I was like, that's not true. Oh. <laughs> There's no way that happened. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, I've seen Pet Cemetery. Like, you don't got to tell me that this is a bad idea. Right. Um, so I looked into it, and it's like Whitewater Effigy Mounds Preserve is a park operated by the city of Whitewater, Wisconsin. The 21.5-acre park is located on the west side of the city. It was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1991. Oh. It's one of the largest collection of effigy mounds in the country. The mounds were built between 800 A.D. and 1200 A.D., and studies suggest that these mounds were a gathering place for several Midwestern Native American tribes. Hmm. Seems real risky to me. Risky business. Mm -hmm. So let's learn about Whitewater. The lore surrounding this place includes a lot of witchcraft and occult stories. Of course it does. Just like they told us in their Instagram message, it's sometimes called Second Salem. I can't believe I've never heard of it. I no, yeah. It. There's a legend about a cursed book written by the early witches of Whitewater that's kept mm. locked in the basement of the <laughs> University of Wisconsin Whitewater Library. What? Here's what the Instagram message we got said about it. The library is said to have possession of a book called The Witch's Book, Locked in the Library. Legend is that it was studied by a professor and four students. Three students and the professor ended up dying by suicide. Oh, my gosh. And the fourth student was committed to a psychiatric facility. Oh, my gosh. I did find articles that repeated that legend. And then I read an article that included an interview with a woman named Karen Weston, who was the archivist at UW-Whitewater for 27 years. Oh. And she said, the only locked book we own is actually a Catholic hymnal. We think the stories about it come from the fact that up until 1989, the storage we used for that Catholic hymnal was a locked cage because it's the only storage we had. Why would there be a cage in a library? I guess they had to lock it up somehow because it was so old, maybe? Yeah. But a locked book in a special collection has got this image of being dangerous. However, none of the people who have ever talked about this Catholic hymnal have given us a publisher, title, author, no date, nothing. So to me, no publisher, title, author, date, nothing is questionable. Yeah. The article went on to say, it is unknown if the mysterious book remains unlabeled for a reason or for a coincidence. Hmm. I also came across this on the Witches of Whitewater Facebook page. Deronica Goldsmith, archives assistant for the Anderson Library, said the witch's book doesn't exist. And as far as I know, there are there are or never were witches here in Whitewater. There have never been witches in the city that is known as Second or Salem. Witchcraft. I just find it hilarious. I it's not that she's just saying there aren't any now. She's saying there have never been, which just seems a little silly. Like witches yeah. are everywhere. Yeah. And um, on that same post on the Facebook page, there's this. A reliable source who was once a library assistant at Anderson Library told me that as part of the hiring process, they are instructed to deny the existence of the witch's book. Oh. I have no idea if the witch's book exists. I wouldn't believe it does. I do believe that what this woman said here is that some kind of mysterious old religious right. book exists. And that's creepy enough for me. I enjoy that. That's yeah. fine. But while we're on the topic of how witches have definitely never existed in Whitewater, <laughs> let's all talk about the Witch's Tower that's located oh. in Starin Park. Might be Starin Park. You have a witch tower where there's never been But witches. no witches. Never any witches. Why is it called Second Salem? Because there's never been witches there. It's actually a stone water tower. Um, local lore says it was the meeting place for witches. They would surround the tower at night and perform rituals. Hmm. An iron fence was put up around the tower with the barbed wire spikes pointed inward. Oh. Which, think about it. 
if you were trying to keep something out, right? why would the spikes be pointed in? Yeah. It's almost like they were trying to keep something contained. Yes. Which is creepy. Which is creepy. <laughs> <laughs> the tower sits just south of Wells Hall, a student housing building that is rumored to be haunted. Aside from that building, there's also a story about the Alpha Sigma sorority house in 1981. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. They were eating dinner in the house when they heard loud noises in the basement. And when they went to investigate, they found bricks of the basement floor had been scattered, <gasps> revealing a never-before-seen tunnel entrance. What? Can you imagine? What? Would you go in the tunnel? I would make somebody else go first, but I would follow them. I would definitely watch. <laughs> yeah. If you believe the stories, that tunnel entrance entrance goes to an underground tunnel system beneath Whitewater, and witches use those tunnels to travel between their homes and throughout the town without being seen. How cool. Which is maybe why that one woman thinks there have never been witches there. Like they're just She's like the never seen them. Hide and seek champions. Ever. Right at their Bigfoot. Yeah. And the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. Yeah. The Whitewater Witches are the great hide-and-seek champions of Wisconsin. Perfect. The Starin Park Water Tower is 131 years old, and actually at the beginning of this year, the city council voted to replace it. No. The replacement tower should be ready for use in the late 2022. There's not been a lot of discussion about what will happen to the old Witches Tower, but... I guess things get cursed if they tear it down. It's designated as a city landmark, which should give it some kind of protection. Right. The problem is, is they can always vote to remove that designation. So I just, I just love like old things. Yes. And it stood for 131 years. Right. Just let it be. Unless it's a danger to someone. Right. Just let it be. Why you gotta tear it down? Why you gotta be that way? Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Okay. (laughs) There are three cemeteries in the city. There's Calvary Cemetery, Oak Grove Cemetery, and Hillside Cemetery. And their locations are said to form a perfect isosceles triangle, which is referred to as the Witch's Triangle. Yes. Yes. In the center of that triangle is the spot where Morris Pratt's original building, the Temple of Science, stood. Oh. Legend has it that every building located within the triangle is haunted. They say that the cemeteries were popular places to hold ritual sacrifices and that the witches who performed the sacrifices were buried vertically around their altar. That comes up again later, so just file it away in your brain. Noted. (laughs) There are a few stories about Whitewater Lake as well. Um, Back in 1923, a group of fishermen said they'd been attacked by some kind of large creature with tentacles (gasps) while they were out in the water at Whitewater Lake. And they said it had overturned their boat and pulled them under. Mm -hmm. They fought it and were able to free themselves, but they were covered in small bite marks. No, no, that's no. Mm-mm. Kara's like, absolutely not. I don't give a note. She's like, I will tell you stories about people eating anything in the world, but don't you dare talk don't. to me about a lake monster. <laughs> don't. Don't. Get in the water. <laughs> then in 1944, apparently, there were a lot of strange events that happened over the summer to the people who lived around Whitewater Lake. No idea what those events were. I tried really hard to figure out they what they're talking about. No, it, it just says, witches don't exist. It was a weird summer. But anyway, strange things happened to stop whatever was happening. People are strange when you're strange. A group of men, because they're trying to stop whatever's happening. So a group of men went to one of the cemeteries and dug up all the coffins that had been buried vertically. 
So they dug up all the witches, Don't do basically. That. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Why are you messing with the witches? Why is that going to help anything? Yeah. Have you never seen a movie, like any movie, ever? <laughs> um, they took the coffins, weighted them down, and threw them in the lake. I would just think that would make it worse. Why would you do that? Now your water's cursed. <laughs> I would think that would make it more haunted, but apparently it didn't, and the strange occurrences stopped. <laughs> I don't know. Then in 1992, which feels like it's not that long ago, but it's a lot longer ago than you think, friends. Oh, Way too long ago. Don't give it too much thought. Okay. In 1992, three Whitewater students Ooh. were renting a house on the lake, and they saw a group of men standing on the beach by the water really late at night. They said the men were all wearing black, and they were chanting and swaying, which just sounds like a typical lake party uh, to me. But then, yeah. while they're chanting... A thick fog rolls in from the lake, and a green light glowed through the fog. We heard the water start splashing, and then this deep gurgling noise, one of the students said. The names of the students have never been released. But they all agree that they saw some kind of creature come up out of the lake. A creature? And the students took off running. Another resident also witnessed the incident, and they called the police. But the police didn't come until the next morning, and that by that point, the four men were gone. Oh. The story goes that they did find the remains of a ritual on the beach, though. Small bones and rocks arranged in strange patterns in the sand. Oh. Okay. Remember the three cemeteries I mentioned earlier that formed yes. the Witch's Triangle? Yes. Okay. In one of those cemeteries, I saw articles that said Oak Grove Cemetery and others that said Calvary Cemetery. So I'm not 100% sure which one. Um, you'll find an old crypt which holds the remains of Mary Worth, a self-proclaimed witch who some have called the inspiration for the legend of Bloody Mary. Ooh. I think that actually Bloody Mary is based on the Mary Queen of Scots. At least right. that's what I learned from a Bar Bailey Sarian video. Yeah. But still, I just like this tie-in, so we're going with it. Let's and we don't know. Yeah, we don't just, know. We could, yeah. She could be wrong. Bailey Sarian's never wrong, but she, she could be wrong. No. Um, so now, I got really excited about this because I was like, Okay, now I'll research Mary Worth, and I'll tell that story. And the thing is, there's not a lot to find there. It's just that there's a I crypt. hate it when that happens. I know. I mean, if you start researching Mary Worth Whitewater, you'll find basically what I just told you about her. And if you search Mary Worth Bloody Mary, you'll learn that the name Mary Worth is often cited as Bloody Mary. But the problem is sometimes that Mary Worth is based in Chicago, sometimes in Wisconsin, oh. sometimes in England. So nothing really yeah. comes together enough to yeah. give me a story to tell you. Dang it. All the info I have comes from the Instagram message we got. So here that is. According to the Whitewater Chamber of Commerce Spirit Tour 2016. Oh my gosh. The legend. Oh my God. Can you imagine how great that would be? Yes. The legend of Mary Worth suggests that she practiced witchcraft and cursed people living in Whitewater, including the Winchester family, due to a dispute she had with the family. <gasps> in result of Worth's curse... Family members Charles, Mabel, and Lucius Winchester died all within the same year, and the family's business was completely shut down by 1893. The cemetery board decided against burying her in what they suspected was hollow ground, despite Worth's request to be buried in Hillside Cemetery. Hmm. Worth was instead put to rest in an above-ground crypt, oh. and in result, Worth cursed all of Whitewater for going against her request. Oh. Sounds like an angry lady. Angry witchy woman. Uh, witchy woman. <laughs> witchy woman. Um, so that's it. That's it for the magic 
like the witchy magic portion of this two-part series on Whitewater, Wisconsin. So you can tune in tomorrow to hear part two, where we're going to cover multiple murders that have happened in that area over the years. Like I said, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you can go ahead right now and hear that episode ad-free on your Patreon feed. Um, But if not, you can just come back here tomorrow and we'll have it for you. Yeah. I will say it is fascinating to me how many stories there are tied to this place, both about witchcraft and magic and spookiness and creepiness and murder. Yeah. Like, and they're murders that there are stories to. You know what I mean? Like, like when I think of my only experience really is living here in Lexington, Mm -hmm. there are murders that happen here, but there aren't big stories to go along with the majority of them. A lot of them is, you know, shootings and like gang violence and things like that. But nothing that's like, Something that's going to really make headlines, which is... Unless I mean, it's the bluegrass conspiracy. <laughs> there's that. But the, there's so many weird murders that happen in Whitewater that I'm just like, huh. It's not like I've studied every city in the country, but it feels, feels weird questionable. to all be in this one feels area. Questionable. And it makes me wonder, is it creepy because of where it's located? Is there right. some sort of thing with the Whitewater and the spiritualist school? Right. Or... Is all that stuff like what came first? I guess is what I'm right. saying. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. legends, did they come first or was it already there? And yeah. It's just like built up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. So thank fun. you all so much for sending in that story. It's great. Yeah. That's a um, good one. Just wait till you hear part two. Ooh. All right. So, um, yeah, if you guys would like to send us anything, you can message us on any of the social media platforms. Yep. You can also email us at witchesmagicmurdermystery at gmail.com. Yep. And we love you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye.